podcast? Yeah, I believe it is. 20, Gotta be something 2017, like that. I guess, yeah. Not much more uh, I enjoy doing in life than, than chomping it up about the Lions. Uh, happy, we happy to have you you to do it with. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be with me. to be your uh, constituent on this on this well, podcast, Adam. It, last year was a little bit of a more uh, morose version of the <laughs> yeah. of the Lions pod. But yeah, we were going through some life situations. The Lions were going through their own. You know situations, but um, I guess this is an opening statement. I, I I was talking to my dad at the beach in New Jersey, getting back from a nice little trip. Did also want to say, usually as a courtesy to the listeners, I turn off the air conditioning fan in my apartment to you know to get the optimal sound. But I got back to my apartment; it was 92 degrees. So the, the listeners are gonna have to deal with they that are. for uh, for this one. Um, but was talking to to my dad on the beach and was just saying that this is the first time. I think since basically the year we went to the Chiefs game, I think that was t- 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, once Stafford got hurt that season, and they went like 0 and 8 the rest of the way after his injury. Uh, basically, like I haven't been excited for a Lions game really like since then, um, because coming out of that season, it was Matt Patricia. I wanted him to be fired. I really thought it was going to be a lost season. It ended up being that way, and then kind of going into I think we'll get in, obviously, to Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. It was nothing against them, but going into this past season, the the 2021 season, I knew they were pretty much doomed in terms of being a competitive football team just because of the state of the roster, everything, all the turnover, um, losing Stafford, um, all that stuff. Um, I'm not necessarily going to predict it, but I think there's a a path for this team to be somewhat competitive this year. I think even with the NFC the way it is, a potential path for a, a seven seed. Again, not predicting that, but I think we'll, we'll get into kind of those scenarios. But for 2022, I'm excited about Lions football for the first time in, in a while. Yeah, I think there's probably good reason to be excited. Um, I'm excited too. Uh, I'll be honest, man. Um, my excitement has been a little bit tampered by the public and the media. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's a real thing. I think that's kind of the angle that I'm going to be approaching this podcast from. You know, we try to be as honest as we can. We, You know, sometimes we oversell. Sometimes we probably undersell. But our effort is to be as thorough and honest and upfront as we can possibly be. And after the end of last season, and more specifically the end of the draft this year, I was really excited for the season. I was excited about Dan Campbell. He met my expectations, if not exceeded them, year one. I know the record wasn't great. You know, obviously you're picking second in the draft, but I just thought from a culture standpoint, this is kind of what we emphasized last year on the podcast was culture. And it was proven in year one that there was a culture there. You can say what you want about the Lions not being very good. This is a team that didn't give up. They fought really hard. They were in a lot of close games. And as the most quoted thing about the Lions is, uh, at least from the, the folks that I listen to, uh, they covered the most spreads by far out of any team in the NFL last year. Which kind something of something like what thirteen and three? I, or something I think they crazy? were. Yeah, something something crazy like that. Which means kind of on aggregate they were getting undervalued from from a point spread standpoint. And I think that just show, goes to show this is a team that didn't give up at any point. Played four quarters hard, and they were less talented than almost every single team they faced, but they still fought hard. And uh, that's a culture thing. And I think that that's going to roll over into year two. But the hard knocks. Also, to, just just to put it out there, to tamper the the excitement as well as the situation under center is unchanged. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into that. I'm just saying yeah. the hard knocks hype and the fact that this team 
their win total opened, I want to say, at five and a half. And now you're looking at six and a half plus 130 to the under at Caesars. That's all steam from the media and from over talk about how the NFC isn't competitive, over talk about how this Lions team is, you know, they're going to be sneaky. They're going to be this. They're going to be that. And, and, and I'm going to be coming at this podcast from an angle of like, we need to slow our rope a little bit here because mm-hmm. this is a team that won three football games last year. And we're going to obviously get into, I'm not, I don't want to spoil too much, but I don't think this team is four wins better this year than they were last year. I think to be yeah, four was, wins better, you need to improve in a lot of different places. Um, that was the second, that was kind of going to be the second part of my, my opening statement where it's like, obviously there's a lot of excitement around the team. Maybe they, you know, show up to those expectations, but we, we can't lose sight of the bigger picture here. Right. I mean, whether, whether or not this team is exciting this year, or maybe it goes over their win totals. One thing, whether or not it's, it's another year of a building block onto something bigger and better is, is, you know, you know, it's kind of the more important question perhaps long-term. Um, let's, let's dive into the roster here. Yeah. Let's, let's jump in. Do you want to start on offense or defense first? I want to start at the quarterback position, Adam. Yeah, let's go. Cause, Cause this is where the conversation starts and ends. And you can, re- you can rebut anything I say, feel free to interrupt me. I think, I don't think you will, because I think we have similar opinions. This is the worst quarterback room in the NFL period. Uh, I think Jared Goff is a bottom five starting quarterback in the NFL. I think David Blow is one of the worst backups in the NFL. Tim Boyle is lucky to be rostered. He's a pa- he's a practice squad player. Um, I don't really know why this team hasn't made an effort to get a better backup quarterback. David Blow is a third string quarterback. I don't think that they have any confidence whatsoever that if Jared Goff, God forbid, were to get hurt, he'd be able to do anything other than just be a D minus quarterback. Um, but more importantly. This team seemingly is under the impression that Jared Goff can play to a to be to work with them a little bit a top 15 level which I don't think he's capable of doing. This is not a team that pushes the ball downfield and gets explosive plays offensively whatsoever. Uh, they try to kill you in the passing game death by a million paper cuts which can only work for such a long time. Um, and that's kind of where the conversation ends for me is like terrible quarterback room. Terrible. Well, here's 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 I guess uh, one of my questions I had for you is where where where's your head at in terms of like how much you blame Brad Holmes for that at this point in not taking a swing on a guy day three maybe in this year's draft like a Sam Howell in the fifth round. I could I would have done it, but that only means so much, you know. We'll see. With there, there's a grand plan here. My thing is almost kind of like the hypocrisy at a certain point where it's like you want your team to scratch and claw. You want your team to play four quarters really hard. You want your team to invest in the idea that they can win. They want this team to invest in the idea they can win a Super Bowl, right? They want them to think nothing's too big, but yet you're keeping, you're retaining Jared Goff as a quarterback who was bad last year, was bad the year before that when he was on the Rams. He's, he's not, he has not proven to be a good starting NFL quarterback ever. Ever. You can you can make the argument, sure, with the Rams, they went to the Super Bowl. He was a trailer quarterback then. He's a trailer quarterback now. And, it, and it's a hell of a lot easier to be a trailer quarterback under McVay and the Rams than it is in the Lions. And that reared its ugly head last year. And if I'm a player on this team, obviously you want to fight. You want to put good film out there. But at the end of the day, 
Jared Goff's not good. There's no amount of word soup Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell can create that's going to make me believe Jared Goff is a, is a decent quarterback. He's bad. He's the worst quarterback in the division, and it just seems a little disingenuous to me to be trying to get all these players to buy in, and your quarterback room is Jared Goff, David Blau, and, and uh, I'm forgetting his friggin' name. Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. You know, like, I, to me, that's unfair. Like, and you know what it means to it me? Also, you know I mean, it also kind of goes into they don't your, think, your point about... No. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just, they don't think they're a playoff team this year. They don't. Yeah. That, that, you know what they think? It completely lies on the shoulders of Jared Goff. Hey, if Jared can take us there, we'll be a playoff team. It's like magic in the air. He'll, he's not going to take you there. So you want the team to buy in. You want to build a culture. You're going to go. You, here's, what I, here's a realistic expectation. You won three games last year. You'll win six games this year. You'll get a top 10 pick, and you're going to draft a quarterback. Because we all know everyone's talking about, oh, the 2023 quarterback class. Is, uh, it's the best thing since, you know, sliced bread. So that's what's going to happen. And, and, but to give out the impression that this team is going to be competitive with Jared Goff, I think is unfair. It's unfair to the team. And, yeah, I, I, I do put a little bit of the blame on, on Brad Holmes. Like, why not take a guy like – you know why not uh, on the, the devil's advocate? It's like you got Rodriguez in the, in the fifth or sixth round, right? Yeah. So it's like, hey, man, that's a guy who could be contributing day one on defense. And that's a good – that's a hell of a pick if he plays well. And you're building the team around – you're figuring out quarterback last, I guess. But, boy, the leash on Jared Goff, it has been and continues to be too long, and I have a problem with that. That's, that's really my main problem with this whole regime is this – I just can't wait to get him out of the building. I really, I really can't. Um, What's your thought? Yeah, also, I mean, to your, I think you made a good point about him being the worst quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that for sure. Um, that's more based on a projection, I guess, of, of Justin Fields. But to think about he's – think about what we just talked about in the beginning of the show with all the betting steam on the Lions. Obviously, some of that stuff is media and hype-driven, but there have been a lot of people betting on the Lions. So yeah. it's, it's just – it's interesting that the public – we, we continue to be lower on golf than the public, and it hasn't failed us yet. It hasn't, and I don't think it will. I mean, and then you draft a guy like Jameson Williams, and it's great, but it's like Jared Goff yeah. doesn't stretch the field. He doesn't do it. Yep. That's the reason why he got traded off of the Rams, and look what the Rams did the first year Goff was out of the building. They won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, who's a far superior quarterback and who takes risks. He stretched the ball. He stretches the ball down the field. Cooper Cup has his best, one of the best years a receiver's ever had. Like, that's the type of coaching and team Jared Goff had around him, and he still didn't stretch the field. And we're expecting Detroit to be, why, like, why exactly are we expecting Detroit to be a playoff team? I'm not quite sure, because Dan Campbell's fun and cool, and, and we like him, and he's building a culture. I agree with all that. That doesn't mean they're a playoff team. The quarterback position is by far the most important position in maybe professional sports. And at the end of the day, Jared Goff is your quarterback. And Jared Goff is – this is back judge certified stuff. I'm, I'm kind of waxing poetic here. He's a boo. Yeah. He's, he's bottom five. You know, let's, let's kind of transition into the receivers there because you brought up Jamison Williams. Um, them bringing in DJ Chark as a free agent. Um, those things kind of sig- signal them wanting to push the ball down the field more. Um, DJ Chark was a when he was healthy in Jacksonville was a good deep ball threat. 
Um, Amon Ross St. Brown obviously came on really strong at the end of the year, set some Lions rookie records in, in receiving. And then the drafting of Jamison Williams, who he could come back, they say, in week five or week seven with the, the Lions having that week six bye week. He's starting on the NFI list. Um, I think, I mean, I think this, this receiver core is greatly improved from, from last year when we were doing this podcast. We're talking about Tyrell Williams potentially being the number one receiver, talking about Prashad Perriman potentially getting some targets. I think, you know, the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown was, was big. Um, hoping to get something similar to that from, from last year. Um, signing Josh Reynolds added a spark somewhat. Obviously, he's not a guy maybe you want long-term, but he's, he's still uh, still around. Um, he's your number three. It's, it, yeah. You know, I love the Chark signing. I think Chark was a great signing. One-year, 10 mil, yep. prove-it deal. Uh, played really well when he was a bit younger. Still pretty young. What is he, 25? I think yep. he's going to be your number one guy on the outside. Amon Ra is obviously going to be your go-to guy on the inside. You still have Hawkinson, who's kind of an extension of that receiver room in the passing game. It's solid. You know, it's solid. I guess, I mean, the, theoretically, and then you piece it together until Jameson is ready. Yeah. And yeah. then you have a DJ Chark, Jameson Williams, Amon Ra St. Brown receiver room, which, you know, we'll see what the what the floor is, but there's certainly upside. Absolutely. I, I, I don't have too many bad things to say about this receiver room other than I don't think Amon Ross St. I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to require a little bit more attention from defenses this year as opposed to last year. Um, I don't know how or he'll he, just get it. He's just going to yeah, get it. Yeah, he's going to get it. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to change his production. Highly, highly productive last year. Obviously a very good player. Um Hawkinson, to me, if you want to talk about him as an extension of the receiver room, has been a yeah, little bit of a disappointment. Let's jump in. Been a little bit yeah. of a disappointment. Um, to me, he's a middle-of-the-road tight end. I think that I could probably name 7 to 10 guys who are better than him. Um, I think he's in that 7 to 10 range, probably, which is not really what you want to get out of the eighth pick in the draft, but uh, it's fine. You know, he's fine. Um, we'll see what Chark does. I, I have pretty high expectations for Chark this year in terms of just being the number one guy on the outside and being a red zone target for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Chark in Jacksonville. Things kind of went south there. That was a total mess. So I think culture-wise, he's obviously getting a big upgrade. Um, but, you know, it's nothing that's going to blow you away. The depth isn't great. You know, Josh Reynolds, Trinity Benson, Khalif Raymond, Quintez Cephas, those guys are fringe roster guys. None of them are, I don't think, that impressive or special. I don't think any of them are going to be catching anybody for a, hoping year. for a Pimpleton uh, practice squad stash. yeah I love I love Khalil Pimpleton always have um, hoping that he makes the team but I don't think he's going to be seeing the field for this team very much this year if he does but yeah I mean it's fine man it's fine um, the real strong suit of this offense is the offensive line and that's yeah. that's kind of where the conversation should lead to when you talk when you want to talk about the positive arguments towards this Lions team being good this year. And that's the fact that they have what can be a top five offensive line in the NFL if, if these guys stay healthy and if they play to their potential. I know you're you're shying away from trivia a little bit, but can I give you a multiple choice question? Sure. How many 100-yard receiving games has TJ Hawkinson had in his career? Is it A, 0, B, 1, C, 2, or D, 3? I'm going to go B, one. Yes. Yeah. The first game of his career against Arizona. Yep. That's been it. <laughs> yeah, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be a hater. He's he's fine, but he, he, we, yeah. the Lions yeah. drafted him with the eighth pick in the draft. So 
Um, he definitely hasn't even come close to living up to that potential. And honestly, most tight ends who get drafted in the first round don't live up to that potential. That's just kind of been a reoccurring theme over yeah. the better part of the past decade, I would say. Um, but talking about this offensive line, man, these guys are going to be able to move people. Uh, I think that this line has been built to its completion for the most part, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, no one's really. And I got- heard a, I heard a really interesting. I, I didn't even really know this, even being a Lions fan. I know they were hurt along the O line last year, but this group of five uh, of Taylor Decker at left tackle, Jonah Jackson left guard. Jonah Jackson made his first Pro Bowl last year. Uh, Frank Ragnow at center, Vitae at right guard, Sewell at right tackle. The five of them did not play one single game together in twenty. Uh, interesting. 21. Yeah, I mean this is. And they're all healthy now. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. I mean, this is a really good offensive line. Goff is going to have time to throw. He's... I, I mean, I, I would say I'm going off of just the division previews we've done. Top three? Um, boy. Philly? Philly had a good O-line. Philly had a good O-line. Cleveland had a good one. Yep. Tampa, but they've had some injuries Tampa already. has had some injuries. Indianapolis... Indy. Baltimore but, is pretty good. They're mm-hmm. in that conversation for sure. Yeah. They're in that conversation for sure. Um, they haven't really put it together yet, obviously, but on paper. And I like it like they're not that young anymore. They're, they're, they're young, but they're not green. They're not like yep. rookies. Um, the youngest guy on the line is Sewell, and he's a stud. Um, he's a guy who, by my estimation, is only going to get better the more games he plays. So that's awesome. I think that's a great reason to back this team. But, uh, you know, the offensive line is obviously by far and away the best position group on the offense. Um, so, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how that works out this year. And, and the last position group to talk about is the running backs. And I don't want to air DeAndre Swift out, but uh, he needs to stay healthy. And he needs to take that leap to being a premier running back. What did you think of the exchange with like him and Deuce Staley and then Deuce Staley talking about Swift in the coaches' meeting? I think uh, that was a conversation that Deuce Staley should have had with DeAndre Swift one-on-one. Probably, I don't yeah. think that's a conversation you have in front of the whole running back room. That being said, uh, Deuce Staley has a certain way of doing things, and that's his way of doing things, and I'm not going to like try to step on his toes about, you know, you're a coach, you have a way of doing things. If you want to send that message in front of other players, sure, send that message in front of other players. But um, I personally wouldn't have done it. I think that's a conversation you can have one-on-one. And I, you know, I think he's getting good coaching. You know, I think he's clearly the number one back in that room, obviously. No one's, no one's taking reps from him. I think Jamal's a good two. And between Jackson, Jefferson, Godwin, and Reynolds, there, there's going to be a three there. You know, I'm not worried about this running back room. The biggest concern for me is Swift, A, not staying healthy, and B, if he stays healthy, he needs to like be kind of a workhorse for this offense. Yeah. They need that. So this was he, he he was my other so my of my I have three three on the radar guys for this podcast. Yeah. One was already Hawkinson. We went over the hundred yard receiving. The other one is, is Swift. Um he's only gotten ten ten or more carries in half of his career games. Yeah. Um, so I think like that to me is what I want to see change. And like, frankly, I, the, the thing I kind of thought from the, the Deuce Staley situation with him, that was interesting. I feel like it told like a bigger story about maybe why he hasn't been utilized more by the Lions. Mm-hmm. Cause it's always felt like that he's been, you know, on the bench and they are running Jamal Williams, 
like nine times. And I, it's just like, and maybe it's like a trust thing with like in the, you know, in the preseason game where he, you know, should have gone inside on the trap play and just tried to bounce it out or, or whatever is going on. But for, for where he was drafted and the talent that he has, I feel like they've under, they've underused him. Even if he has been injured in a lot of games and the games he's been available, it seems like they haven't really been like using him as much as they could. I, I would love to see them just force it, force it. Like I see if he can or not. Right. Yeah. In, in year three, um, give him, give him 75% of the carries. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's what he needs to be a workhorse. He needs to be a guy who is quite frankly, carrying this offense. I mean, as it stands right now, he on paper is the best player on this offense skill position. Um, so he should start playing like it because, uh, I don't really think he's played to his potential yet. I don't think he's. Who do you who do you think who do you think is the 16th best quarterback in the NFL? So like Tannehill. Um, yeah, I would guess so. Tannehill. If Tannehill was was the starting quarterback of this offense, what would you like think of it? I would think this team was closer to Minnesota than Chicago. Yeah. But right now they're a whole hell of a lot closer to Chicago than Minnesota. Yeah. Um. I still don't know if I'd pick this team to, to be better than Minnesota if Tannehill was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just – I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I, I, I am, but it's not like I, – I don't think this is a team – this is a win-now team. I think it's far from a win-now team. This team mm-hmm. is too young, yeah. too inexperienced, and too lacking of talent. Like who – can you name me outside of the offensive line? Can you name three irreplaceable players on this team? Can you name two irreplaceable players in this team? Like, you mean the whole roster? Yeah. Who are guys that it's like, if they went down, God forbid, it'd be like, you can't replace them. Like, the Packers have irreplaceable players. The Vikings have irreplaceable players. I guess the Bears don't. The Bears might have more than the Lions. Like I would say, I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I feel like it's more it remains to be seen. Like yeah. maybe Amon Ross St. Brown is a guy like that. Maybe a Jamison Williams. Yeah, but you're no, talking about maybe. a guy who hasn't played an NFL game. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, so yep. I don't know, man. It's early, and well, the, the strength of the offense is, like you said, clear the the O line. The O line's great. To me, it's like Sewell is zero play. Like, God forbid yeah. if Sewell went down and you're starting Dan Skipper at right tackle, that's a problem. Like that, that's going to be a major yeah. downgrade. But it's like. How far can this offensive line take this offense? You know, that's my question. With Goff remaining at quarterback, with your best receivers being Amon Ra and DJ Chark, and with Swift being that's pretty solid, man. Like, yeah. With this offense, Goff is really the only true negative to me. It's like Amon Ra and Chark, it's not a great one two, but it's good enough to be like, we can compete here with Swift at running back, Jamal with backing him up, yeah. and this offensive line. And with line. Hawkinson over the middle. And with Haw- exactly. Yeah. But then there's Goff. Then there's like the inevitable reality of Goff, and it's like, I mean, we'll get to the schedule later, but just if you graze it over, is there a game this year where Goff will be the best quarterback on the field? To me, it's like, sure, Seattle. He'll be better than Geno Smith. Maybe he'll be better than Carson Wentz when they play Washington. To me, that's an any given Sunday kind of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. he could be better than Wentz, or Wentz could be better than him on any given and Sunday. Then, and then maybe the, the offensive situation will be better than Chicago. Yes, but I want to I want to hammer this down like and, and this might be controversial. I think Tyler Huntley is better than Jared Goff. I think Gar- 
I think Gardner Minshew is better than Jared Goff. Those are two guys I'd rather have starting for the Detroit Lions than Jared Goff. Um, and Huntley, don't don't come at me, listeners, with the Huntley like like bandwagon thing. I was a Huntley guy, okay? He was in Utah. I was a Utah. I've been a Utah Huntley guy. It's just like give me somebody who's got a little bit more gusto, man. I just I don't know. Maybe I need to give Goff a little bit more credit. Time will tell. We'll see this season. I'd love for him to prove me wrong. That'd be well, I, I think this year is his last chance. But it's like, I will say, if he does prove me wrong, this can be a playoff team. That's the avenue they have to be in the seventh seed. Is yeah. Jared Goff playing at a top 15 level? I will doubt it till the day it happens. But I guess, you know, you could, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. You know, you, you don't hey want to. Hey, man, the, the week that, that first take and Kellerman and, and Stephen A. Smith were talking about the Rams being the next Patriots dynasty on that Super Bowl week, yeah. you were... You were on these airwaves saying he would never win one. <laughs> so just think about that, right? Yeah. It's true, man. Got it. Um, let's go. Let's go. To, let's go to the defense. Jump over to the defense. There's a couple of, of things I want to touch on. I guess. Uh, um, I think like kind of like you were saying, Lee, with like Dan Campbell or whatever the hype around this team. I think like the at least the local hype um, around Aaron Glenn seems to be a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and again, I, I don't think it's necessarily his fault, uh, in the same way that I said it wasn't, you know, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell's fault that I wasn't excited about the team last year. I mean, his, his, the players he was playing with last year were awful, you know, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn Trisha leftovers. They finished, I think it was like 29th in total yards given up and like 30th in points. But like people talk about this defense, like last year, like it was scrappy. Um, there was a couple scrappy players and maybe a couple scrappy games, but o- overall this was a, a piss poor defense last year. Um, I see reasons to believe that it will be better in, in year two. Um, let's start where we always seem to start at the, the middle, the, the linebacker position. We've been beating the beating the horse here for for a while too. Um, excited about the potential of Rodrigo. Yeah, excited. the sixth round pick from Oklahoma State. Um, I would say his ascendance uh, this offseason has maybe been a mix of him doing some nice things and the rest of the uh, linebacker room being just god awful. This is a terrible again. linebacker room. It's terrible. Is it once again? I mean, is it the worst? Even even if you include like Rodrigo. Like, is it the worst linebacker room in the NFL? I can't answer that point blank right now because I, I can't shuffle through all the linebacker yeah. rooms off the top bottom of my head. Five. It's definitely bottom five. And when you talk about the division, it's for sure the worst in the division. Yeah. Green Bay definitely has better linebackers. Minnesota does, and Chicago sure as hell does. As long as Roquan's playing, they do. Um, to me, it's like just start Malcolm Rodriguez and Derek Barnes and yeah. see what you've got because yeah. the drop-off can't be that big. I've always liked Anzalone, but he's over the hill career-wise. Um, he's more of a veteran at this point. And he was fine last year. He, he was fine, yeah. I, I don't think – this is the thing about Anzalone. It's like I didn't really notice him on the field for, for bad or for good. Yeah. Right? Like I just didn't notice him. So that it, he wasn't egregiously messing up and he wasn't really making any plays. Yeah. They brought in Chris so. Board from Baltimore who I think is going to get a fair amount of playing time this year, but – yeah, there, there's not a single game changer in this linebacker room unless, of course, Malcolm Rodriguez is going to have some huge, you know, rookie Wonder year. Wonder kid season. And, and I'm going to yeah. say, too, man, again, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. 
I don't think Rodriguez is as good as Hard Knocks is advertising. I just I think he's I think he's pro- he's probably pretty good. He's a little small. That's why he was drafted in the sixth round. He's a tackling machine. He was at Oklahoma State, but we'll see when he's playing against the ones on Sunday if if he's if he's the level of linebacker that this team thinks he is because. It's one thing to be physical and scrappy and not give up and play hard and love to hit people. It's another thing to be a consistent starting linebacker wearing the green dot on your helmet week in and week out and being relied upon on this defense to be the guy. Um, And, you know, time will tell whether or not he's that guy. I hope he is, but we'll see. And this linebacker room is – they brought back Gerard Davis, one of your favorites, Adam. Um, I don't know. Derek Barnes kind of had some ups and downs, as I saw it, uh, in his rookie year. He was another guy I think was a fifth-round pick out of Purdue last year. Um, to me, yeah. He's another guy kind of like Malcolm Rodriguez where, I mean, Derek Barnes used to play along the defensive line at Purdue before they moved him to kind of like an off-the-ball linebacker or edge type of player. He's not a pass coverage guy. Yeah, not at all. Malcolm Rodriguez athletically maybe can do it, but physically is going to struggle. Yeah. So, you know, once again, we're at another another year where there's nobody in this linebacker room that you can count on to cover a tight end or a running back. Yeah. That's just the harsh reality of it, honestly. I don't really have too much to add there. Um, but like I said, I'd play the young guys, see what you got. Yeah. Um, don't really know why you're bringing back Gerard Davis, but I guess, you know, send him in on certain packages to, like, rush the quarterback. Uh, I think he'll get cut. He might. He might. I think he'll get cut. Um, the D-line has been retooled. Um, this would be, I think, kind of, you know, the, the year where you want to start seeing some dividends from your investments. Um, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson being the second overall pick. That was a big decision uh, for Brad Holmes. There was a couple of different ways he could have gone with that pick. Went with Aiden Hutchinson, seemingly kind of the safe option there, which he he referenced on Hard Knocks too. Um, Ali McNeil had a had a nice rookie season. Charles Harris had a breakout year kind of last year, and they re-signed him, and he's back in the building. Same kind of with Austin Bryant. Um, still though, those guys to me are backup level players, and then you still have you know Julian Okora from a couple years ago, who has played well when he's played. Again, has, has dealt with injuries uh, when, though, uh, at the same time. So I think there's upside with the with the defensive line, uh, but still, I guess, for, for this year. And then I guess Michael Brockers gives gives the D-line, like, a certain floor. Yeah. But as far as, you know, maybe just, just want to start seeing some more pass rush. And I think, you know, hey, if Aiden Hutchinson is that guy, then we're, we're going places. Another hot take coming in hard. Aiden Hutchinson is the best player on this defense already, and he hasn't played an NFL game. Um, yep. This front four, Hutchinson, McNeil, Brockers, Harris, pretty good, honestly. If Harris can kind of replicate what he did last year and be a complimentary pass rusher to Hutchinson, things will probably free him up a little bit more with Hutchinson on the other side. Brockers is an experienced guy on the inside, and McNeil has been pretty solid um, in his rookie year. I'm starting to worry a little bit about Levy on Wuzuwerke. Uh I don't really know what's happening there. He's my uh, third... Yeah, My third guy to watch. Don't for. really know what's happening there. Uh, he was drafted obviously before Ali McNeil, and just a guy who I know he's only been in the league for one year. But as far as up to this day, we're speaking now in a year in a full preseason, hasn't really made his presence felt whatsoever. And he's injured again on this defense. Yeah, 
um, and had some injury issues in college as well. So yes, and like basically hasn't played since 2018. Yeah, and this is a guy who you traded back. You know, I, I keep receipts. You traded back with Cincinnati, and Cincinnati traded that pick to the New England Patriots, and they selected Christian Barmore with a 38th pick, three picks before you selected Le'Veon Mirzawerke. Christian Barmore is going to be a franchise inside interior defensive lineman for the Patriots over the next 10 years. Um, and that's just something that, you know, if you're not salty, about it, it should, yeah, it should, yeah, it should, it needs to be, it needs to be put out there. All right. We, we, we're trying to be transparent here. It needs to be put out there. Um, it's one of those things that crosses your mind when you've had a couple sour monkeys on a Sunday afternoon after a lion's loss. And you know, the, the, you know the, the the hey, would this game have been different at Barbara? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, but I do want to say on a lighter note, like yeah, I expect Hutchinson to be the best player on this defense, which isn't saying too much, but I expect him to get after the quarterback. Charles Harris had a phenomenal year last year and has looked pretty good in the preseason, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. To me, there's really no reason to believe he won't pick up where he left off. Does that mean he's going to get 12 sacks? No, um, it just means that he's going to be a presence coming off of the edge and will be put in a position to maybe come close to replicating what he did last year. Um, and yeah, hopefully they can get on Wizzerwerke healthy and get a little rotation going in on the inside. And, and this might be a decent, you know, a decent front four to be, to be dealing with. Uh, but the linebackers aren't going to give them too much help. So the front seven to me is we're talking maybe in that 16 to 24 range. We're not looking at a team that's going to be a top yeah. 10, top 15 front seven here. Um, and as we move to the secondary, again, there's some young talent. They signed Deshaun Elliott, who I like. But, Clep, as you know good and well, this secondary it comes with a lot of concerns. Um, I think I'm going to call out your third highlight player here, and that's Jeff Okuda. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy who was drafted third in the, in, in the draft. In 2020, uh, struggled in his first year, and has a lot to prove. Tours Achilles last year. Tours Achilles, yeah. Tours Achilles last year. Struggled his first year. Tours Achilles last year has a lot to prove. And to me, it's like the time window for Okuda to prove that he's a franchise player is about as long as this season. Um, yeah. So hopefully, he'll come in with the chip and be able to perform at a high level and win in. in confidently win that starting cornerback job across from Amani Oriwarie, who's a guy who I think I think I could say is probably the best player in the secondary. Um, yes. Yes. So, yeah, you got some good young players, but, again, we're talking 16 to 24 secondary here. This is not a top yeah. 10, top 15 secondary. Maybe- I would say at the very least, it at least has some turnover upside with Amani mm-hmm. and Tracy Walker. Yep. Um, so it has that. Um, Kirby Joseph has struggled in the preseason. I'm not going to write him off, obviously. Um, but the specifically the Indianapolis game, it was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, not really sure what's going on with Ify and Mel Fonwu. Um, they've they moved, moved him safety. from corner yeah. to safety. And it's like... It's not like he he was injured last year, but it's not like he played horribly in his opportunities at corner. Um, and then with just like the corner room where it is, like with I don't know. I mean, there's no one really behind Amani and Okuda. Obviously, they've tried to like feign this Will Harris Jeff Okuda competition in camp. It's not a competition. Yeah, um, Okuda's going to start, and 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 he's played better than Will Harris has. It's not even just like a 
draft pedigree thing. Um, so that that's like confusing um, as to like what the impetus was for them to move Iffy to safety. Um, you know, a, a, a less valuable position than corner when he didn't play that poorly at corner and the corner room is what it is in terms of depth. Like, you need a third corner in the NFL. Obviously, they can't be great, but you need a guy who can come in and obviously Jeff Okuda has not been immune to injury issues. So that was, that was I guess, that's my little iffy Melifano yeah. <laughs> monologue. I'm hoping to be optimistic that if he's just one of those long, rangy kind of natural athletes that it's going to take Sometimes with those guys, it takes like three or four years for them to yeah. really find their footing in the NFL um, and understand schemes and understand kind of coaching and things like that because they, they won so much with athleticism in college. But they're, they're, it does come with some concerns, the position change, I think. Um, Club, who, who would you rank to be the top three players on this defense in order? I would say, I mean, look, I, I know what you're saying with Hutchinson, expecting him to be the best player. Um, I'll put Amani number one, mm-hmm. just based off of the fact that he has produced. Um, he was a really good corner last year. Yeah. And he was their de facto number one guy. I mean, there was nobody else. So I'd probably say Amani, Hutchinson, and then McNeil. Yeah. Maybe Tracy Walker. Yep. Cool. But yeah, not a great top four. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk a lot on the pod about, like, defenses when you see a defense that has a guy on each level. And yeah, uh, they they don't – they maybe have one with Aiden Hutchinson. Yep. Who has played well in the preseason. So Yep. Yep. Um, hopefully Josh Paschal can come back sooner than later from his injury. It sucks not yep. being able to see him in the preseason. Um. Don't, Big fan of his. Don't really know what the deal is with Romeo Aquara. It's another guy who th- – those are two fairly high-level players you'd like to believe yep. um, that probably could help this defense out. But, uh, yeah, barring unforeseen circumstances, this is a bottom 12 defense in the NFL. Yeah. So that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Um. Do you want to um, give a quick talk about the coaching staff, hard knocks, yeah. outside of hard yeah, knocks, I mean, kind of what you're thinking, and Ben Johnson, that kind of stuff? I think I, I think we're kind of on the same page with hard knocks based off of the limited conversations we had with Tommy during the NFC North pod. Like, it's very entertaining. And whether or not that equates to wins is probably uncorrelated. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think I, it's been it's been good. The hard knocks has been good. I've, I'm happy that it's not like a. I remember the 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 Browns the Browns hard knocks with Hugh Jackson, and you could just tell that he didn't have control, and wasn't really like a great head coach. Yeah. And I'm glad that I haven't gotten those vibes, from from the hard knocks episodes. Um, I think the team, you know, they seem to all get along. They seem to buy into what Dan Campbell's saying. Um, Dan Campbell's kind of like the motivational T-shirt guy. Yeah, a little bit, but I think he—that's kind of who he is—and and everyone buys in. There's no one way to do it in the NFL, right? I mean, obviously you have the the brainiacs like the Shanahan's and the McVeighs, but then there's the Pete Carrolls who have had a lot of success. Yeah, um, you know the John Arbaugh's who have had a lot of success. Um, you know, you can be the head coach who doesn't necessarily have you know your your hand in yeah. 
the offense or the defense. And you know what the um, thing that about those two guys you just named, Harbaugh and Carroll, although I think Campbell's a little bit different than them, the one through line for me is they're so damn genuine, man. They're yeah. so damn genuine. Like like Campbell doesn't fake anything. Harbaugh, mm. John Harbaugh doesn't fake anything. Carroll doesn't it's almost like they're so genuine to the extent that they they show how weird they are. They're weird guys. And I like it, man. I like it. I don't love it. You know, I'm not in love with the Lions, I'm, uh, you know, the, the hype train and the bandwagon and the, oh my gosh, Yeah, or the like the, the Deuce Staley, Aaron Glenn screaming match. That, that was a little too much, man. I mean, yeah. and it's like, do it your way. I get it. Do it your way. I'm not going to criticize, yeah. but it's like, these are grown ass men, dude. If you're going to be talking smack to each other, like it's cool in the preseason, like I said, but then week eight. When you're, uh, you know, when you're two and six or two and five, the 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 corny smack talk doesn't sound quite as good, and yeah. um, I'm hoping that's not the case. But again, man, this league is so damn competitive, and you can almost paint a picture for any team being good, with the exception of like three or four. Um, and the Lions are lucky to not be in that category where it's clear they're going to be bad. That's they're not in that. They're, they're no longer in that category. But this is a gambling podcast as well. And when I look at these win totals, and when I see how they've moved up to six and a half, and I can get six and a half plus one thirty at Caesars, it's a win total I will never bet. I'm not going to fade the Lions. But if I was an objective party, that would be a win total I would take. Yeah. You know, I just don't – they haven't beaten the Bears in what, three years? Yeah. They I haven't beaten so. the Bears in three years. Uh, no, they beat the Bears with Bevel. Okay. So they've beaten the Bears one time in three years. Um, their quarterback is Jared Goff. Their defense is young and below average. Um. And quite frankly, I think their coaching staff is still working out some kinks, and they're a year away from being truly competitive. And if I can get, if I can win a bet, I can win this bet at plus one thirty with them doubling their win total from last year. And all they did in the offseason was sign DJ Chark, draft Aiden Hutchinson, and Jamison Williams, who may or, not, may, or, may or may not be playing a quarter and a half through the season. I don't know, man. We can we can head over to the schedule if you want. Um, yeah, I, t- I, text, I texted your brother to see if he can he can jump on. Yeah, let's get Tommy in here for be- the schedule. But before, I guess I guess kind of as a as a prequel to the schedule, like what would be like your your you know obviously we talk about floor and ceiling, but I'll bring in the basement, basement floor ceiling for this team. Yeah. In twenty twenty two. To me, the basement is three wins. Would that be like Goff gets hurt? That would be either Goff gets hurt or they don't win a single close game this year. They play close games, but they don't win one of them. And the schedule is not hard, but it's nope. not it's not easy. It'd be easy if you were a good team, you know. Yeah. It, well, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of things where as Lions fans we look at the schedule and we say, oh, that's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. But the fans of that team are looking at the Lions. Exactly, saying, oh, we'll win that one. I would say the basement is three wins. I would say the floor is five wins, and I would say the ceiling is eight wins. Yeah. Um, 
I expect this football team to win six games this year. I want to be clear about mm-hmm. that. That is where I see the Lions this year. That's why I think under six and a half at plus 130 is a good bet. Will I be shocked, jaw to the floor, if they win seven games? No, not really. I think five's more likely than seven. I think five's more likely than seven. I think, I think you know. What if, what, if I'll, what if we can look into the future and we see, like, going into the bye week, that this offensive line is like the best in the NFL. If the offensive line is the best in the NFL, you know, eight wins. Yeah. Eight wins. It's great, man. It's great to have a great offensive line, but you're, it helps a lot. I mean, cause it's like, I think they can do play action, which, which Goff has had success with in the past. I really think Ben Johnson's going to try and get him to push the ball down the field. Like he'll be the first coach in his career to get him to do it successfully if he does. God, you know, McVeigh did it in, in 2018. He did not, dude. He did not do it successfully. You can look at the explosive the explosiveness rates from Goff's passing game, and they were not. I know they've never know, they've but, never been top 15 in the NFL. Um, what do you think would do that? Like, do you think if if you had to go to the mind of a Ben Johnson, like I think drawing up drawing up plays, like getting getting Goff into like good second in manageable situations and drawing up plays where he like doesn't have any other option but to go deep yeah i i I don't know i think golf is risk averse i think he's um i guess we didn't even really touch on ben johnson either he's maybe calling the plays. i don't know what to say about ben johnson other than that like yeah he's the new offensive coordinator and he's apparently an analytics guy and that's cool you know i we'll see i i I don't know how people are getting either doubting or getting too excited about Ben Johnson. The sample size is really small. Um, I saw some footage of him coaching the Senior Bowl, I believe. He looked to be a pretty jovial guy. They haven't really outlined him whatsoever on Hard Knocks, which I find to be a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Um, we'll see, man. I don't think Jared Goff's going to push the ball down the field. Quite frankly, I don't think these receivers are good enough. Like Maybe if Jamison is a stud, then he'll have a more likelihood to push the ball down the field. But, like, pushing the ball down the field means, like, throwing 50-50 balls to DJ Chark. And that's – if DJ yeah. Chark works out, that's great. But we're talking about a guy who just signed a one-year $10 million deal. Like, I'm hoping that it works. You know, I, it's – it's Goff has had better receivers and not pushed the ball down the field. Um, I don't know. I, maybe – I Goff is bad. So I can't, yeah. like, try to talk in this world where he's going to be good. He's not good. He's never going to be good. He's never been good. And he's at a point in his career now where he's – he's. there's no potential left. He is what he is. That's what frustrates me about this team banging their head against the same wall with Jared Goff. It's like he, you aren't going to find anything new out with Jared Goff. Sure, you'll be able to be competitive in some games like last year, and that's great. They won three games, though, you know. In, and in Ford Field, not in. Yeah. Not on the road past oh, November. Are you out of your mind? They play like, come on, yeah. you know. They, yeah. Golf's not going to go to Green Bay and win a game that means anything. Come on, man! Like, I don't know. I, I think the expectations need to be lowered for this team. The bar needs to be lowered. That doesn't mean they're going to underachieve. Six wins would be awesome. I'm not even messing around. Six wins would be great to me. You yeah, doubled growth. You doubled your win total from last year, and now you're in a position where you can maybe draft a quarterback in the top ten. That's great. You're 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 moving along. 
Okay, we got Tommy here. Do we? Yeah, we do. I think so. Two of three in the call. There he is. Start, start, start up your garage band, Tommy. Get the get the band going. Tommy, are you on Garage Band? Open it up. We're rolling already, so. Yeah. Get that thing going. Are there season? I guess I'll I'll pull up the um, I'll pull up the the week one line. I think it's plus five and a half. No, it's not. It's four. Four, four flat. And a half? Four flat. Four flat. Lee, do you off the top of your head, Lee? Do you know if the Lions were ever favored in a game last year? Um, I don't think they were. Tommy, have you entered the chat? I'm entered the chat. I'm live right now. All right. Do you know um, if they were ever favored last year? I don't think the they Lions. Were. Um, maybe against the Bears late in, in the season at some point. Maybe I don't know. That's just maybe on Thanksgiving thing. against the Bears they were favored. No, no, I don't think they were. Because what's his name? Blow started that game. They weren't favored. Um, well, they were the, the best game? team against the spread, as I'm sure you guys uh, went over. We uh, we did we did talk on that. All right, Tommy, welcome to the Lions uh, preview podcast. How does it feel to be here? Um, it feels like a, uh, you know, it's kind of like you spend your whole. It's like you get in front of the varsity team. I've been on freshman. I've been on JV, and uh, I just got the call up from coach. I'm in the I'm in his office right now with the two my two higher ups, and I just got the good news. I'm gonna call my wife and uh, let her know. But yeah, it's great to be here. It's great. This is sacred ground. This is sacred ground. I'm slowly losing control over my uh, product. Once upon a time, are. it was just it was just <laughs> NFL. Now I've got John Gooch uploading week zero. Yes, sir. Win you know future bets and whatever. Um, You're getting how about the How about the situation in Dublin with the free booze? Wish I was there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That would have been a back judge special. <laughs> I've got some Sapporo going right now. First Sapporo of the day in a frosted glass. Yep. A uh, Waltz beer pinball. Okay, shut up. Shut up, Rock. man. Let's talk the schedule, man. Let's talk the schedule. Because I'm, I'm in the zone right now, man. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in flow state. I'm in the um, zone. I'm in flow state. And you're talking about frosted glass. I, I'm, I'm trying to talk Lions we, we football. Wa- let, let, then walk us through it, baby. Let's go. You open up against Philadelphia at Ford Field. This game has gone from, as I see it, they were a six-point underdog. Now they're a four-point underdog. The, to me, this game is huge. I agree. It's huge. Um, I think they'll lose. This is a team they lost to by 40 last year and in Ford Field, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And this is a team that can match their production from the offensive line standpoint. Has better receivers. Has a better defense. Has a better quarterback. Um, maybe it'll be close for the first half. Uh, I think this is a game, if you're a Philadelphia fan, taking it from the other side of the aisle, this is a game you need to win. Can't afford to start 0-1 losing to the Lions. Um, I understand why the point spread is as close as, as it is because there's a lot of unknowns, but I expect Philadelphia to win this game, and I, I understand why they're a road favorite. I tend to, I tend to agree. If the Lions win this game, I'll get very excited about the season. I probably will too. Considering I think the fact, highly of the Eagles, especially. Well, I think you guys you guys respect the Eagles more than I do, but I definitely think it would be a uh, encouraging sign. I, I think if the Lions win this game, then it reflects more on the Eagles than it does the Lions. Uh, but I could be, 
I could be we, wrong. We about can go that. through this schedule with a you know a two to three majority getting yeah. the win. So I mean, Lee and I think lost. Tommy, are you also on the lost? I, train? I'm I'm on the lost train as well. Right. Week two at Ford Field, you get another home game. Uh, Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders or football team, whichever you like, come to town. Coming off a rough game against Jacksonville, I don't know if they'll win or lose that one. Either way, they're coming to Detroit week two, another NFC East team. I'm going to say this is a win for the Detroit Lions. I'm going to say they win one of these home games and they take down Washington in week two. I'm in lockstep. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll, 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 We're going to have to give some wins at some point. So we're going one and one. You take the trip to Minnesota a week later, first divisional game of the year on the road. Minnesota is a better team. They have a better quarterback. First-year coach, obviously. A Minnesota team that plays the Packers in Week 1 and the Eagles in Week 2. So not necessarily an easy schedule for the Minnesota Vikings preceding, preceding this game. But um, a game Minnesota at home I think needs to win. I'm going to give Minnesota the win here. Yeah, I agree. Potentially two an 0-2 spot where they're like backs against the wall. Absolutely. I agree as well. Then you turn around a week later. These are all uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1, 1 p.m. Eastern games. You turn, That's going to be a, a common theme. Yep, you turn around <laughs> and the Seattle Seahawks, led by Geno Smith, come to town and play you at Ford Field. I'm going to give Detroit the nod here. Um, I think this is one game where Jared Goff will clearly be the better quarterback. I think you have a better offensive line. I think your defense can kind of go toe-to-toe with Seattle. You're at home. You're 1-2. You can stay competitive here a couple weeks before the bye. I'm going to give Detroit the win here against Seattle. Tommy, what say you? Yeah, I mean, this is a game they should win. They uh, This is a team that I think they're better than, so I think we should give them a win. But, um, I, I mean, I'm assuming that you guys have a similar similar feeling about the Lions as I do. Um kind of based on what I talked about, I don't know, just in a general sense, that we're probably below market on the Lions compared to like how hyped they are. Um, but this is a team that they should win this game. As a Lions fan, As a when you're looking at the schedule, this is a, a team that they, they should be beating. So, All right, well, we're, we're two here. and two. Um, Lee, week five, are you getting any shades of week three? I'll be there with Charlie Brown. Um... I'm not. Oct- okay. October cold in New England. Jared Goff on the road. Bill Belichick eats bad quarterbacks alive. Uh, I think that the New England Patriots are going to win this game. I think this is a game I'm I'm looking forward to what the point spread is going to be because I think the, I'm, I, I think the I, Patriots I, I, might I, run away with this one. I was just going to say I, I'm looking at all the look-aheads right now, and we have the Patriots right now minus 6.5 at home. That's on my lot. book. Holy smokes. The, the, yeah, the Seahawks game, they are one-point favorites at home. The Lions are one-point favorites at home. The uh, the Vikings game, they're six-and-a-half-point dogs. The Commanders game is a pick right now. So, yeah, I'll give them the Commanders. I'd love to lay that one with the, with the Lions against Seattle, man. Yeah. I'll do well, that all day. That's a line that you know probably will will move, I would assume. Yeah. Lay it now. Lay it now. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two and three going into the bye. You guys have any pushback against the Patriots here, Clep? You're going to be boots on the well, ground? Well, I'm going to be there, so they're going to win. Club, have you witnessed the Lions win? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Just curious. Uh, let me let me think about it. What's your record? What's your record? Boots on the ground, Club. Bad. <laughs> you know, the, 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 um, they beat when I went to the. I think this. Oh my God! Is this my only Lions win? No, I have two Lions wins. Okay, one was the year it was supposed to be Brett Favre's last game in the NFL. 
but he was like got concussed the the week before, and the Lions beat the Vikings to go like six and ten, and they finished the year like four and zero under Jim Schwartz. Mm. I was there for that game, and then I was there. This is the best sporting event I've attended in person, and this was the uh, Detroit Lions Monday Night Football game against the Bears. It's the first time Monday Night Football was back in Detroit Charlie for like Brown? a decade. When we went for Charlie Brown's birthday, Brown game. we were in the we were in the Meyer Family Fun Zone. Yep. Um, I was there for the um, 2012 uh, Rams Week One win. They, the Kevin Smith ran a swing route. Okay. Last second touchdown. I've seen a couple victories. D- decade anniversary. And then uh, the, the the Bears game we went to. Yes, sir. Brutal. That was a win. Colts game I went to with Fink and Dustin. That was a win. Okay, you've seen some wins. I've seen some wins. Um, I'm gonna say the Patriots get the best of you there. Um, you got the. I agree. You got the bye week six, and then you go down to Jerry World, and play the Dallas Cowboys, week seven. Come on, Tommy, switch over to the dark side. Um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Cowboys a win here at Jerry World. Uh, Cowboys have kind of had the Lions number right a little bit last. That's been kind of a theme we've talked about a, a sneaky rivalry. Wow, I just added all of these uh, points to. Uh, well, I wish I. I wish I. It won't tell me the matchup. Sorry, but I believe this was a six-point spread for the Cowboys. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lean Cowboys here. Seven. Too. Seven point spread. Seven point spread. Excuse me. I'll, I'll lean Cowboys. So now we're at two and five. The Miami Dolphins come to town to play you in your first home game in almost a month. I'm gonna say the Lions sneak this one out against Miami. And uh, get a hard-fought middle-of-the-season win where they're an underdog, a home underdog. Three-point three point underdog right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Lions eat this one out. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing, although I would say I think the Dolphins could be okay this year. They could be, but I'm giving Lions yeah. win number three here. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll stay with it. I'll, go, I'll agree. Uh, the Packers come to town the next week. Loss. I'm going to say that's a loss. So we're now two and six. Uh, three and six. Three, three and six. My bad. They've be, they've beaten the Commanders, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. Three and six going into Week Ten at Chicago. Um, I think they split with the Bears. I'm going to say they split with the Bears. So let's give them a loss on the road in Chicago. We'll yeah. give them a win down the down the stretch. So three and seven now. Uh, or wait, are they three and six? One, two, three. Four, three and seven. Five, six. No, they're three and six because they had to buy. Three and six. Three and six. So now they're going to New York at three, three and six to the Meadowlands to play the New York Giants. Um, coming off the loss to Chicago. Oh, One and a half man. point underdogs right now on the look at. I'm going to say they lose this game to the Giants. I, um, I'd say they win. Tommy, you can be the. You can be match point here. I it's it's really hard. I feel like these teams are kind of similar, and um, yeah, I don't know, man. I I would take the Giants, but I'm not like confident about it at all. Like I don't know. I, right now, these teams are both teams with low win totals that have cases for upside. But you know, let's we can go through Lee, it. I mean, did you know that Brian Dable isn't calling the plays this year? Kafka is or whatever. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Does that change your thought process? Uh, no, it doesn't. I think the Giants are better than All the right. Lions, quite frankly. Um, 
I think they are too. So three and seven. They're two right now. Thanksgiving Buffalo loss. Any dissent Agreed. from anybody? Three and eight. I'm more inclined to give this a win than like the Dolphins game, to be honest. How? Even though it doesn't make sense because it's it's Thanksgiving, and it's at home, and I feel like this is. What's the Lions' record on Thanksgiving, bro? Do we need Below to take 500. you? Yeah, the, yeah. This team is. They don't play up on Thanksgiving, man. Did you see the game last year? <laughs> Did you see the game they played last year? That was against the Bears. I just remember the Houston game. That's yeah. So we're gonna that. we're gonna say three and eight. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town December fourth. Trevor Lawrence, second year quarterback. We're getting into kind of the doldrums of the season here. Last six loss. weeks, I'm gonna say it's a loss too. I just think that Jacksonville has a little bit more juice and a better quarterback here. Um, three and nine. Uh, now Minnesota comes to town. I'm assuming at this point of the year, Minnesota is going to be playing for a playoff spot. Uh, the Lions will be yeah. three and nine. Um, I'm going to. Give you think they this. really go as badly as one and five in the division? Yes. They were three and three last year. I think the division's better. I think Minnesota's better this year. Yeah, I do too. I think as a as a rule of thumb, I like to just split the division, even if it doesn't. Uh, mm. I know it's hard to do. With- I'd, I'd go more like two and four, is what I'm saying. Okay, we can give them the Minnesota win, I guess. Or or they're just yeah, going to get the Green Bay win week 18 because Green Bay clinched the playoffs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, quite frankly, guys, we- my wins for the Lions this year is Washington, Seattle, Miami, the Jets, Carolina, and Chicago. Those are my six wins. Five. Those are my six wins. Or six. Yeah. yeah. Washington, Seattle, Miami, Jets, Carolina, Chicago. Um. So you have them winning five games? Six games. I mean, any credence to the fact that like they beat the Cardinals last year when they were like a decent team and maybe they'll play up? Here's the other thing. It's like, so so if you look at the schedule, the Bills, the Packers, the Eagles, and the Patriots are the only teams that made the playoffs last year. Dallas. Dallas. Sorry. And yeah. then but then the Bills. I know the Packers lost to the 49ers or whatever, but the Bills are the only team that even won a playoff game last year. Cowboys, Patriots, Eagles are not necessarily strong playoff teams. Like, the schedule is very easy. It, it, the schedule, I don't know, the schedule's easy, man, but I just, I think the defense is not, is not good. Well, defense I think the defense is, is Here's my thing. I, I think the defense is bad, and then you're relying on this offense to, like, Win cl- uh, close games and like going to shootouts potentially with, but you can make yeah. just as much of an argument for all of co- like the Giants' offense, the Jets' offense, the Jaguars, the Panthers, kind of these lower tier teams that are priced the same in the same uh, tier as the Lions. You can kind of you know the Commanders too. The you know the only team on their schedule that I'm ready to say the Lions are better than right now is the Seahawks. Maybe the Panthers and the Bears. You know they're better than the Bears. I'd say the Seahawks and the Bears. I'm sure you guys not would bears. say the Jets too, but it's like none of this is obvious. It's not obvious for the Seahawks. To me, are the only team that I'm comfortable power ranking below the Lions right now. What about the fact that the Lions like have a very good offensive line? That's just that not. Helps. That's just not moving the needle for us that much. Well, it's moving the needle, but the team is like 
Jared Goff is the worst yeah. quarterback on this schedule outside of Geno Smith, Carson Wentz, and Zach Wilson, in my opinion. Tua? Tua's better than Goff, I think. Maybe he'll be worse. Maybe. Miami's better than Detroit. Though. Daniel Jones? I take Jones over Goff. Like, I, I think Goff is terrible. I think he's really bad. I think he was bad last year. I think he's. I think the Rams he was terrible were, last year. I think the terrible Rams were very happy to get him off their hands, and uh, it's kind of the end all be all with me. So six and eleven. That's my prediction for the Lions this year. Six and eleven. I'll go. I'll go seven and uh, seven and ten. Tommy, that's a lot of wins. It's a lot of wins. I'll say five win. I'll say five and twelve. I think it's five. I think seven is kind of the ceiling to me. I'll just so. say this. I'll be. I'll, I'll. I'll say this. I'll be shocked if they're over five hundred. Like floored. Yeah. Honestly, eight wins. And the eight other, wins, the other, the, the other thing too that we've been talking about for the past two years, and we talked about it obviously with them passing on Fields. You know, obviously for us and Mac Jones, if someone else was higher on Jones and Fields coming out, is like. If this team wins seven or eight games and is like on the fringe of the playoff picture, or dare I say, gets into the playoffs, it's like you're kind of. I mean, I guess you can use your two mid-round picks with the Rams and the Lions to try and move up and get a quarterback. But it's like, where does this leave you know the team? I, I wouldn't panic things. too much about that. I think you you can if you if you if you can find a quarterback, you can find a quarterback. Different fe- teams find different ways of getting quarterbacks. You don't have to be drafting in the top five to find a good quarterback. Um, yep. I just don't really believe in that philosophy. I don't think you need to be terrible to get a good quarterback. I think you can. I think it's more important to establish a culture than to try to be bad so you can get a good quarterback. And I think eight wins would establish a hell of a culture here, even if you don't make the playoffs, because you're overachieving. Do you, guys, do you guys think it would be fair to say like, I feel like we're above market on the NFC as a whole and like below market on the Lions? My whole thing with mm. the NFC is I don't think there are any juggernaut teams in the NFC. I don't think there are any teams that are clear powerhouses. I think the depth in the NFC is underrated. I think Minnesota's... I think there's, there, I think there's at least two teams in each division. I agree. I agree. And then in the NFC West, you have three with the Cardinals, Niners, and Rams, Bucks, Saints, Packers, Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys. Those are all, like, decent teams. Yep. Those are all, I think, playoff caliber teams. Lee and I, Lee and I obvi- disagree about this. We just did, but I, I still have a lot of respect for the Packers and the Buccaneers, especially the Packers. I think their floor is still incredibly high. Now the ceiling without Devontae, I think that's a granted question. But I'm really high on this defense this year. I think this is going to be a top five defense in the NFL. So Lee, are um, you are you putting the Lions above the Bears? Yeah, but I division. but I think the Lions are a lot. Clo- I think the Bears will be like five and twelve, and the Lions will be six yeah. and eleven. I think the Bears and the Lions are interchangeable. I wouldn't be shocked at all. It, all it would take is Fields playing better than I think he will for the Bears to be better than the Lions. I just think the Bears. I think the Lions have better receivers than the Bears. They have a much better offensive line, and. The Bears, I think, probably have some better individual pieces on defense, but I think defensively as a whole, the defenses are comparable. Bears have a first-year head coach. Lions have a second-year head coach. You know, it's kind of they're similar. They're similar. I just I believe in I believe in the infrastructure is is a little bit more built in Detroit than it is in Chicago. I agree. That's, the so fate of Chicago is is on Justin Fields' shoulders this year. I think like they're going to be as good as as he is, and that might be better than Detroit. Yeah. 
because I think Fields according, is better than Goff. According to FanDuel, the Lions to make the playoffs is plus 360. It's a terrible bet. Implied probability of 21%. So you're saying it's it's a lower percent chance that 21% of them make the playoffs? I think I just think 360, I could, that's just a bad bet. That's just a really bad bet, I think. I think I would ra- much rather bet on Dan Campbell to win Coach of the Year than Yeah, um, I completely agree. I completely betting agree. On the line. What is, what's Dan Campbell Coach of the Year? If the Lions make the playoffs, you better believe that you're going to have Dan Campbell finishing the top three for Coach of the Year. Um, especially with the hard knock stuff and everything, too. If he turns that into a playoff appearance this year. 12-1. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're getting four times the value for, you know, obviously it's not as directly correlated, but if they, if they make the playoffs, he's a top three in the top three finals of Coach of the Year, and it's such a media-driven award that... With hard knocks, too, and it just yeah. being the Lions and, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, plus 360 is, like, pff, Northwestern was plus 400 on the money line. Northwestern had a better chance of beating Nebraska yesterday than the Lions do of making the playoffs. Are you crazy? That's what I don't understand. I just don't. Uh, maybe I'm being disrespectful. I, I don't think the Lions have any chance of making the playoffs. I don't. I think there's a chance. I think there are too many good teams. I think I think the Saints are clearly better than them. The Packers, obviously. The Vikings. The Buccaneers. The Cowboys are better than them. The Eagles are better than them. Uh. And all three of those teams in the NFC West are better than them. Cardinals, Niners, and Rams. And I, quite frankly, I think the Giants are better than them. I think the Giants have better a better chance of making the playoffs than the Lions do. Ooh. So I, I, I think I agree too, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm lower. A lot of, a lot of people would disagree with us. A lot of people love the Lions this year, obviously. Yeah, and these people like are acting like the Lions were invented this year. That's the problem I have with it. <laughs> They're acting like there's not a – it's going to take a while for this thing to get turned around. To think that – bro, if you told us – if you told us when Dan Campbell got hired that Jared Goff would be the starting quarterback in the 2022 season and they're yeah. going to make the playoffs, like I, I don't know. I'm not ready to wrap my head around that. And I'll be the GOAT if, if they do. I'll be I, I, I'll be the first one to admit I'm wrong. I just well, it's just think. like we're so they were a they were a gutsy team last year who covered the spread and won won close games and you know beat the Vikings and very well. They could, won three games. The Ravens. Yeah, I know. There's this like so it's like how much better? Are oh, because Justin this Tucker year made a field. If Justin Tucker made oh they 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 lost heartbreaking close game. That's what first of all that's happened our whole lifetime with the Lions. There's no reason to believe that's going to change. Second of all, give them the Ravens win. Give them the uh, whatever other close win. It's still five wins. You want to give them three more wins? It's six wins. It's just like this team is not very good. I'll ask you the same question, Tommy. Who's the best player on this team on the defense? Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, that's what I said. Aiden Hutchinson. Klepp said Amani Oyuarie, which I understand, but it's like, Amani Oyewari is the most proven. He's the most, he's the most, most proven, proven player but on defense, and he and he played. I think, and he played two and a half quarters into the Steelers game today. Your best player on defense, your most proven player. And you yeah, guys want I'd to talk about Albert O playing? Playing? Oh, Albert O is playing in the third quarter. Well, your best player on defense is playing in the third quarter, and you're supposed to be a what? An over team at six and a half? I just, I don't know, man. I'm pissed off because the media ruined this year for me. <laughs> because I have to be. 
Because I have to be the Grinch who stole Christmas this year to be like, everybody shut up. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win nine games. They're not going to win eight games. Eight games is the absolute ceiling for me. This is a six or seven win team. I told Klepp earlier, five is more likely than seven. This is where that team is. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. And we're saying the ceiling is seven, eight wins, and you're getting – I mean, what are the odds on the win total right now? I told Klepp, Caesars, plus 130 for under six and a half. Yeah, that is that's, – that's insane, man. Yeah. That is insane. The win total should be six flat or five and a half. I agree. I agree. It's obscene. Um, yeah, Does that I'm do gonna, it for the Lions pod? I think so. I hate to be so bleak, man. But I don't think it's bleak. I think it's pouring a little water on the fire for this year and saying, hey, but things. I think things are better than they were last year. They are. Yeah. And that's all you can hope for. I believe in this staff, man. So just got to start staff. stacking these years, right? Yeah. Next year, it's got to be a little feel a little bit better than this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tommy, any uh, football thoughts? Um, watched a little of that Jets Giants preseason. Game I watched that on and, the plane uh, as well. <laughs> Clemens, man, that D, that rookie D tackle from the Jets. Yes. He yes. looks impressive, man. He's a monster. Holler. He, Holler. he is a Holler. monster, man. Had a yeah. huge game That's, against Bama last year. Yep. When they yeah, won Michael at home. Clemens, um, and he's, I mean, incredible physique too. You see this guy in uh, street clothes. He's he's built like a titan, and yeah, I mean, he, he had a, he's just flying all over the field. And how about a little, a little some some splash plays from Braxton Berrios and Tyler Conklin? Yep. Yep. I like Tyler Conklin a lot, man. I think he's gonna um, make an impact uh, this year. I mean, I just think he's a better receiver than Uzama, and he he had a lot of good and plays last year. Didn't Tyrod get carted off? Yeah, because Clemens, uh, it looks like yeah. it wasn't too serious of an injury, and Clemens, it wasn't a dirty play or anything like that. But Tyrod made a great play, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, Clemens was really impressive. Uh, doing Nicky Rivera's fantasy draft right now, guys. So you're with me here. You're good. Uh, you guys, Lee, any you guys uh, any final time. Lions thoughts? Mike Hughes, any Mike Hughes takes? I mean. Don't think he's very good. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know, I, I don't think he's that good. So, I don't know. Not overly optimistic about uh, his prospects. Um, shout out Troy Hairston. Shout out. Making his presence felt in that San Francisco Houston game, dominating out, out there in the first quarter, man. Dominating from a blocking standpoint. This guy oh, yeah. is. Yep going to fight for that roster spot if it's the last thing he does. So, got to give him a shout-out. Blocking for Damian awesome. Pierce, the fantasy darling. I'd like to see all these little yeah. links, these little GIF links on Twitter of Damian Pierce with his runs, and I see 34 out there mauling people. Yep. Love to see yep. that. So, that's a shout-out right there. Um, shout-out Tariq Castro-Fields, cornerback for the 49ers who – I liked out of Penn State. Impressed me a little bit in some one-on-one coverage situations with Nico Collins the other night. That was fun to watch. Faller, Trey Lance, looked like absolute trash against the Texans, hoping that that's not a sign of things to come. But another example of 
there's a learning curve here in the NFL, and you can't just uh, waltz into the league and be a superstar overnight. That, that, that doesn't happen very often. But there is some ball placement concerns with five for the 49ers, I think. Um, and I know that things are going to be different in the regular season, but it was not very good. There were three negative plays for every one positive play he had the other night. Are they running him much? Uh, they didn't. No, the they did. They did not run him at all, really, in the in the game that I watched. Um, uh, yeah, he he just really just looked really really bad at some points from a throwing standpoint. Just looked really uncomfortable, frenetic. Kind of just definitely cause a little bit of a cause for concern. But then again, it is preseason. Shout out Tyler Goodson, man. Just who does San Francisco open with? The Bears. In Chicago. Bears. That's right. Jimmy G is going to be on the roster. I guess so. Yep, seems like it. I guess so. I didn't watch the uh, the, the Texans Niners preseason game, but I'm not. Uh, I want to see. I want to see what it looks like when the bullets are flying and he's able to run and they've got the whole the whole thing out. Obviously, it doesn't. It's not a good thing, but I'm not. Uh, I still. I still think this offense is going to be really good. I mean, it should be. It would be his fault if it's not good. All I'm saying is yeah. that he's the QB one now, so playtime's over. You know. Um. But yeah, that's pretty much my synopsis. I only really watched preseason games on Thursday. We were working on Friday, and then Saturday I was pretty much consumed by week zero um, college football. So I didn't really watch any preseason. Games. I I just don't know why uh, the Eagles are choosing to give Reed Sinet uh, the lion's share of the playing time, and then Carson Strong throws like three pass. He's thrown four passes this preseason. It's just like I mean, if you're gonna cut the guy, cut the guy, or like let him play. It doesn't really make any sense to me. So if I could send a letter to Nick Sirianni. That he would read, I would. That that's what it would say. But other than that, not too much to report. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I watched the Chiefs, Packers, and the Texans, Forty ers And boy, the Texans had some buzz about them. I know it was preseason, but it was just one of those. It reminded me of being on the wrong side of a bet, kind of. Where it's like this team that is supposed to be bad is just like playing with a lot of energy, and you're kind of like, oh shoot, they're like. Really looking good. <laughs> they how'd, your, how'd your week zero go? It went great. I mean, uh, I released the John Gooch podcast, and uh, I gave out Illinois minus eleven and North Texas Pickham, which is two and zero, oh, which is awesome. Um, and I got cocky, which is something I'm still working the on. I got cocky. Five? I got co- no. I'm not doing the weekly five anymore because I don't want to put myself in a box. I want to be able to give out seven plays if I want to give out seven, and two if I want to give out two. Yeah. So, um. The thing I did that was stupid was I, I went two and zero uh, and well I was it, the North Texas game wasn't over yet it was looking I think it was halftime they were up by one point so I didn't even know if I was going to win or not and I bet on Hawaii plus nine and a half because I thought to myself oh Vanderbilt's no good they're on the island anything can happen on the island I'll take almost ten points and Hawaii just got waxed it was just a terrible terrible decision yeah. by me and it was one of those things where it's like. 
I didn't bet it earlier. Why am I betting it the day up? You know why? Because I got mm-hmm. horny and because it was week zero and I wanted to, I thought I was invincible. And, and we went 2-0. and oh. I went 2-0 and oh, and so I ended 2-1. and one, So I was up, uh, I was up one, one play. So, you know, w- worse things could have happened and I'm excited for Thursday. This is, uh, football season is officially among us. So really excited for Thursday, most specifically uh, Central Michigan at Oklahoma State. West Virginia at Pitt at Heinz Field, backyard, backyard brawl, and then uh, Penn State at Purdue at 5 o'clock. That's going to be a really good one. So those three games, I think, are going to get me through Thursday, and I'm very much looking forward to that. I've got West Virginia plus 7 and West Virginia on the money line, and then Central Michigan plus 21. So that's what I got on Thursday, and I'm going to stay as disciplined as I possibly can to not make any more knee-jerk day of plays. That's usually not a good idea. Did you guys touch on Brian Robinson at all? No. No, we didn't. What is there to touch on? He got shot? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. As for the the BJP, the uh, full season preview predictions coming out soon. Maybe uh, Connor Ryan power rankings. We'll see. We'll see if Um, Connor can get his computer booted up by, by the next week. And then, uh, of course, week one preview and week one bets, baby. We're, we're back into it. Yes, indeed. We're back in. Um, yeah, we're going to have to figure out some logistics about... Uh, You're going to be in New York? Yeah, I'm going to be in New York from the 2nd to the 9th. So, Let's maybe just do Lee it. and I can... We can just do it together, maybe. We'll just do it, do it there. Internet. Internet's a powerful thing. Internet is a powerful thing. Yeah. Um... Alright. Sounds good. Great. Alrighty boys. Um good good pod and uh, we'll see you on the airwaves.